Welcome to For the Life of Me podcast, where I share musings and perspectives on how to step into living your most sacred life. You are valued, cherished, and celebrated for your own unique divine design. And on this show, I share perspectives, tools, experiences, and musings on how we can shift the focus deep into the core of our being so that we can rediscover and remember what is our hidden genius and share that with the world. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Julie Pyatt, your host. Julie Pyatt, also known as Srimati, is a mystic mother, musician, artist, chef, author, and healer who has lived her life immersed in devotion and expansive creativity. She is a way-shower of finding the divine in all life experiences. On For the Life of Me podcast, Srimati shares her wisdom from a multitude of life events that she has experienced as processes of alchemical transformation. She is a powerful living example of how to love ourselves more so that we can live our unique design in a full and expansive self-expression as when we live in this frequency, we bless all life around us. What you get with Julie in all of her endeavors is a sermon or prayer which radiates the vibration of a mystic mother, an energy that comes through her essence, her words, and her music. Beloved tribe, cosmic family, thank you so much for tuning in all across the globe. I love sharing in this medium uh, across planet Earth, and I appreciate you spending precious moments of your life with me. This week on the show, we have a second excerpt from my memoir entitled For the Life of Me. Uh, My memoir is being published in the month of November, and you can pre-order that on my website at juliepyatt.com. One of the amazing ways that I share and give back to this sacred life is by sharing my own personal experience. So I am not designed to gather statistics or to pontificate uh, about mass uh, sort of overarching theories of what is right or what is just. Uh, I am here as an, uh, an explorer and a very uh, curious, um, I don't want to say, uh, traveler, journeyer, who is in the process of discovering deeper and deeper layers of myself. As I am a woman who has had many life experiences, it has given me a very fertile soil and a lot of... Um, a lot of content and a lot of ways in which I can share. If there's something challenging about me for people like publishers or people that like to um, fit me into a structure is they're always very challenged because I express myself in many different ways and it's always hard to sort of put a label, sort of pin me down. And I think this is a good time to share a little bit more about human design So if you don't know about human design, I really suggest that you go to mybodygraph.com and you can put in your birth details, uh, date, time, location, and it will uh, generate a sort of blueprint for you. And 
uh, give you some perspective um, as to uh, what might be some qualities of your divine design. Uh, One of the things that I found uh, when I uh, started exploring this system is I found that I do teach from my own experience, and that is the way that I was designed. I also have something in this system that's called a split definition. And the way that was explained to me is that there are two of me, which made me laugh a little uh, because I have Srimati and I have Julie Pyatt. Actually, my full spiritual name is Ma Ananda Srimati, but people already had so much trouble even saying Srimati. I figured I better make it clear and easier. Um, but when people ask me, which do you prefer? Uh, I'm unable to choose. Um, I also am not attached to either one of those. So it's been rather confusing to many around me and yet felt very natural to me. So um, that's why now I'm using Julie Pyatt as the overarching brand um, and sort of uh, frequency to maybe offer a wider base for people to reach me. However, Srimati is alive and well, and she is active in healing and creating music. And also just a little pre-announcement, my cheese line, which is being created for uh, uh, what I want to say, it's going to be in stores, it's going to be available. Um, So anyway, um, that's just a little bit of information on that. Uh, Go to mybodygraph.com, I would buy the $39 um, option. And the man who actually channeled this information will give you a beautiful uh, sort of guide about your own life and probably give you just enough information to introduce you to the idea that there are four types of human beings that are incarnated. And we weren't all created for the same purpose. I am what is called a generator and I am a maker of things. And I have lots of energy to continue to make things and create things. And that is my purpose. And within my design, I am very merged in nature and I am designed to share from my own personal experience. So, um, I would love to read to you guys now another excerpt from my memoir. So uh, grab a cup of tea, maybe um, snuggle up on the couch. Maybe you're commuting and I'm in your earbuds right now, Um, but I'm going to read an excerpt of my memoir. Um, This is not a final draft, but it is a developed version and... Um, I'm honored to share it with you. This is called Whale Calling. In the depths of destruction, there is renewal and an expansion of something miraculous. I kept watch as the October sun disappeared behind the mountain. It was hours closer to the time when I could finally pull the shades down on yet another brutal day of trying to make ends meet. Thank God, I secretly whispered to myself. All I had to do now was get through dinner. Better get moving. I poured the rest of my tea into the garden and holding firmly onto the modern aluminum rail, 
I hoisted my tired body up the five stairs that led into the kitchen. I prepared to grill some veggie burgers that I had made from organic rice, black beans, cumin, barbecue sauce, salt, pepper, and a portion of a red beet. As I approached the stove, I noticed the pink shutoff notice from the gas company lying open on the dining room table. Oh yeah, there's that, I remembered. Had we been able to pay the bill in time this month? I scanned my memory for evidence of compliance. I could visualize myself caught in the fluorescent lights of the local Albertsons market and a peculiar music track fitting of a Quentin Tarantino film playing in the background. I was in a lineup to pay utilities in cash, like all the other trailer trash. That's how it goes when you're a delinquent. You have to pay in person. But was that this month or last? Unclear, I turned the knob on the stove. The tick, tick, tick of the pilot ignition was game show mesmerizing. Which would it be this time, I wondered in anticipation. Flame or no flame? The burner caught fire and I smiled like a criminal. Sautéing an entire bag of chopped organic potatoes in coconut oil produced a hearty home fry. By adding extra sea salt, fresh ground pepper, and smoky paprika, a souvenir from a bygone trip to Spain, they became unordinary. Keeping the flame stoked, I began grilling the veggie burgers. They looked surprisingly like real burgers colored by the red beets. I seared them on one side to get a good brown base, which helped them to hold together. Then I only needed to flip and grill them for another minute to seal in the juices. This meal was a favorite of all four of my kids and my husband. It was real comfort food, and it made them feel nourished. As I stood over the cast iron skillet, I imagined all their beautiful faces along with my favorite qualities about them the deep friendship I had with my oldest, Tyler, the unconditional compassion of my second son, Trapper, the sparkle of adoration in my daughter, Mathis' eye, the pure joy in Jaya's laugh, none more precious, and the dedicated love of my husband, Rich. I loved them all so completely that I felt that especially in these times, they were my very reason for living My love for them was the secret ingredient in my cooking, a precious and rare resource. It was a commodity that money couldn't buy and no creditor could take from me. It had gotten to the point where on most days, the only relief I got from the relentless friction of not being able to pay my bills was when I was sleeping. Unlike most people who experience stress due to money or the absence of it, I never lost any sleep at all during my entire financial collapse. Of course, there were periods when I was awakened to receive a message or song in the dark hours just before dawn, but never for fear of what if. What if I lose the house? What if I become a crazy cat lady? What if I end up living in a trailer park? My freedom from being haunted by insomnia was a direct result of my very choice to perceive our financial collapse 
as a spiritual challenge of sorts. This perspective allowed me to disconnect from the all-consuming commentary that comes from losing all your money and the things like health insurance, retirement accounts, and credit lines that most people count on for security in their lives. Even though I had bravely accepted this challenge, I was tired and beaten. Sleep gave me an entrance into another world where I could be free from my war for at least a few hours. Losing financial security demanded total surrender along with the mastery of my emotions. I learned the sweet spot in the game of dismantling is in complete neutrality and non-reaction. A Jedi warrior never loses his shit. You won't find him crying, blaming, or complaining after taking a hit. He is emotionally balanced. He knows the force is with him. I found after some trial and error that the entire point of the game was not to react. And if we could keep shortening the length of our emotional freakouts to smaller and smaller increments of time, we could simply observe our foundation of material life crumbling in neutrality without identifying with it. This observation allowed us to gain the lesson and deliver us ultimately to experience real freedom from the money that terrorizes most of us, even if we try not to think about it. To maintain this neutral state demanded maturity and responsibility from me. I was coaching Rich to get the hang of it, but it was harder for him. When the repo man arrived in the thick of night, shining his flashlight into our kitchen window, seeking to seize our leased vehicle that we had failed to make the payments on for over six months, I caught Rich's eye just as he was ready to lose it. I called him to attention. Look at me and listen to me very carefully. We do not have the luxury or bandwidth for you to lose your shit. The fallout from you freaking out makes it all even worse for me and the kids. The car repossession means nothing. It's a fucking car. Nobody died. It's not your fault and it's not your identity. Don't lose your balance. Please, babe, I need you to stay neutral for me, for us. As I opened the door, I met the repo man with my humanity. I asked him his name and offered him a cup of tea. He was unsettled by my actions, expecting me to run or fight or at least be angry and humiliated. I tried not to make him feel badly for having his shitty job. This process may have taken all of my money, but it was not going to take my spirit. It felt as if we were traveling along the razor's edge of realizing our dreams or being entirely snuffed out of existence. We felt most times that it could go either way. Literally, our life destiny hung in the flip of a coin. We had to remind each other to refrain from comparing ourselves to our friends who were touting 800 credit scores, paying for private school, investing in second homes, and taking their kids on expensive vacations. It was hard to understand it all. What was so wrong with us? Why couldn't we make money anymore? We were not deadbeats or losers. We were in the midst of our sacred moment. The way I see it is that if you are lucky, then you will experience at least one major sacred moment in your life. 
A sacred moment can come in the form of death, divorce, natural calamity, such as flood or fire, serious illness, or as it came in our case, as a complete financial collapse. Sacred moments are designed to dismantle or stripped away every construct of who we think we are, revealing something greater beneath. Many of us during these times are completely reinvented and undergo a total transformation. If you survive your sacred moment, it is your duty to share your journey with your family, friends, community, and sometimes with the world at large as a gesture to give something back to someone else coming up the path behind you. You will likely want to share because you felt like you almost didn't make it. It's the classic hero's journey as described by the late American mystic Joseph Campbell, who said, you have to be willing to give up the life you have to live the one that is waiting for you. One could argue that we are all actually living the same life. Every human is going through one version or other of this poignant journey home. We were writing a new way of being in the world, but this required the loss of what was. Were we going to end up as successful business entrepreneurs or serve as spiritual warriors? Which would it be? We had to decide because we couldn't be both. One cannot serve two masters. I once heard enlightened master Eckhart Tolle state the following about achieving enlightenment at UCLA Royce's Hall. Of course, it's entirely possible that you might self-realize with $1 million in the bank. He paused and giggled inaudibly, his shoulders moving up and down like jelly. But it isn't very likely. Every time we forgot that we were spiritual warriors, we were suffering terribly from self-judgment, comparing ourselves to our contemporaries. When we remembered who we were, we were able to embrace our experience as a divine blessing, even if we were repellent to any form of capitalism. In the aftermath of losing our health insurance, getting our cars repossessed, having my bank account closed and my cell phone turned off, I often ask myself the million-dollar question. What would Buddha or Jesus do? I mean, would Buddha freak out because he didn't have a 401k or a savings account or insurance for a rainy day? Would Jesus start crying because his car was repossessed by the repo man? I understood that this world and all the modern capitalist trappings of it were not my source. I knew that my source was something much greater than all of that. I felt my directive to be not a person or a messiah or anything religious in form, but a force of immense cosmic power and raw natural beauty. I felt the force was with me, only it was working on me with the deliberate intention of refinement masked in financial collapse, which entailed relentless poking at my open bleeding wounds. I had to learn to bear that part of it. For in order to become this expanded version of myself, I would need to be stripped down to my bare essence and freed from all of my personality programs with all my imperfections excavated. A true healer brings you down. That was a heavy concept to accept. I had always thought that healing was supposed to make you feel better, 
to grasp that real healing brings you down to your knees gives choosing a spiritual path in life an entirely unique quality. Admittedly, we had not chosen this life experience, at least from our station of identity that is the personality. No one would willingly ask to lose all their money. The constant scraping and friction of spiritual alchemy made me feel at times that I just couldn't bear another moment. An image flashed in my mind of my dead body lying in a heap on my closet floor, discarded like a worn dress. I just needed some sleep. It would only be a few hours now, and I would be able to opt out of my life for some much-needed rest and rejuvenation. The reality was that this part of my life was not a dream, and it would be waiting for me in all its ugly destruction once again when morning came. Rich was struggling terribly with immense guilt over not being able to provide for me and the kids. It was me who was encouraging him to focus on athletics, which was his natural talent and what he had loved as a kid. Like so many others in our society, he was trapped in a career determined by family and societal expectations. He had become despondent, resigned, and defeated. His law career had never actually provided money anyway. Even that was an illusion. He hated being a lawyer. I knew that if he didn't make a move, his life, our life, would be unauthentically trivial. I cleared the dishes from the dining table and set them in the sink to be dealt with in the morning. Rich and my eyes met over the laughter and excitement of the kids' ongoing chess tournament. He could see the fatigue in my face. He walked over and wrapped his arms around me. I lifted my head to kiss his lips and lingered there for a while, inhaling his scent and allowing myself to be momentarily swept up in the illusion that he would be able to make everything better for me. Then I kissed the kids goodnight and headed upstairs. I slipped between the extravagant softness of the thousand thread count Italian silk sheets now torn and tattered, though still in my possession. Remnants of my old world, they reminded me that I had known a life with money and abundance, and I dreamed that one day I would experience that relief again, only this time in purity. Overflowing with gratitude for this opportunity to unplug and wrapped in pure luxury, I jumped like a flyer in a bird suit off a cliff, into relief. Sleep. It came in the form of an irresistible hunger to submerge myself into the 75-foot lap pool that intersected our home, a modern-day architectural sanctuary situated beneath the mountain. It was completely out of character for me to swim in the pool at all, except for a few weeks in the summer when it was on the warm side of a soothing bath. I hate being cold, and although I have lived in California for over 25 years, I have braved the ocean only on special occasion and after being dragged into the tide by one or more of my children. Awakened from a deep sleep, I rose out of bed in a trance-like state. 
I examined Rich's form curled like a fetus on top of the sheets and twisted blankets with the calculated observation of a mother. I confirmed he was breathing and peaceful. Hypnotized like a Stepford wife, I slept walked down the staircase and pulled loose the strings of my nightgown, releasing it to slide over my shoulders and land in a heap, gathering around my ankles. I stood naked on the deck for a moment, reading the direction of the wind. I felt comfort under the stars in the black of night with everyone asleep. It was completely silent. The world seemed so deceitfully peaceful here, and I longed to disappear into the absence of sound. Then I carefully lowered my naked body into the ice-cold water. The pool only existed because of Rich. We started dating during my search for the land that would become the site for building my dream home. Rich swam for Stanford in college, and he teasingly asked me if I would consider putting in a pool to accommodate his training requirements. I laughed off his request, focusing on my vision, the design of the house in relation to the land with the intent to bring nature inside wherever possible. When I received the final geology reports, I discovered that there was but a narrow surface area on the property where we could build with the standard footings and foundation necessary to stay on budget. My architect, Lorcan O'Herlihy, called me down to his office to show me a model for his design proposal for my home. Julie, I know the geology results are very disappointing, but I had some inspiration from it. I have something very special to show you. Lorcan's design of my dream home revealed Rich's dream within it. A competition lake 75-foot lap pool slipped right into the middle of intersecting glass boxes and a cantilevered volume which defined postmodern. Things had gotten very serious between Rich and me. I stared down at the miniature toy house in awe. I felt the design to be completely extraordinary. Let's build it, I said. The entire office cheered, and my dream was conceived. Under the water, I felt as if I was floating in a womb of sorts. Sonogram images of my young babies, Mathis and Jaya, flashed inside my mind. Somehow, I felt an embryonic connection to them in this state. Slowly, movement came upon me and began to animate me with some primal force. I started a few times, the way a newborn baby jolts itself awake from its slumber. The movements were like reflexes. Soon, my body began to undulate very slowly and deliberately, much like a dolphin or large whale pulsing to swim with the currents. I was lucid observing myself, intrigued by my present condition, and excited to see what might happen next. A high-pitched tone emerged from the back of my throat, the water acted as a conduit, sending a focused, whalish frequency of sound traveling. <coughs> Giggles erupted amidst a thought of how entirely ridiculous and incredibly absurd this circumstance was. What would someone think if they saw me swimming this way, naked in my pool in the middle of the night, undulating through water and making sounds like a whale? 
My mental protest was swiftly erased by the sheer power of this mammalian yet cosmic energy, and then very suddenly I broke loose in the water, swimming and toning with the sounds and movements of a whale. I had shape-shifted into this magnificent being. I was overcome with an immense joy that can only be described as pure delight. I felt in every cell of my being purely whale. For a two-month period, I had shape-shifting episodes similar to this. It would strike me at intermittent and seemingly random times, my favorite being in the void of 4.30 a.m. with only the vast stars hanging in their constellations and watching over me. But I was also called at completely inconvenient moments, once with the kids loaded in the minivan and ready to go to a movie. I had to turn the car off and tell them I would return in 30 minutes after my sets in the pool. 13 lengths is what was mandated. 13 is the number of unity and oneness. It's the sacred 12 integrated all together into one. My arms created their own sweeping stroke, which completed in front of my stretched out body and slightly overhead, raised four inches out of the water, and finishing with a mudra or yogi hand gesture, evoking a certain power and framing the tip of the great mountain in the center. The stroke was complete. I considered the raw purity of these episodes, allowing my body to become one with nature demonstrated a real ability to surrender as life was having its way with me. I had experimented merging with nature before. When I was seven months pregnant with my daughter Jaya for my first album, Mother of Mine, Cover Art. As the paintbrush strokes came up over my face, I felt it to be a spiritual transformation, as if I was no longer myself. I had truly become a version of a tree, or at least something not human. But this experience was entirely next level. My life dismantle and financial collapse had stripped away much of my personality, providing me the ability and emptiness in which to shapeshift. Without its alchemy, I would not have been open to allow my body to follow the energy in such an uninhibited way. My obedience to this energetic flow was also informed by my heart's deep desire to protect my home. Unable to pay my mortgage for almost five years, and yet feeling my home as one of my very own children, I was devoted to finding a way to save her. I was given the knowing that somehow, by allowing the whale energy to pulse through my own body while submerged and inside the pool, the centerpiece of my sacred temple and home, the house was being activated, blessed, and transformed beyond the limitations of mortgages and money systems. After two months' time, the call stopped coming. I stopped swimming like whales. The transmission was complete. Some months later, I was invited to a private audience with a Himalayan yogi named Gurunath Siddhanat, or Yogi Raj. Yogi Raj hails from Pune in India, where he trekked the Himalayas as a young boy. 
He was born into royalty and chose instead a life of spirituality. He married and had two children, but continued his spiritual life as what is called a householder. Mandated by the great Mahavatar Babaji to initiate in Kriya Yoga, he left his wife and children to oversee his orphanage and ashram while he traveled to the U.S. and Europe a couple times a year. This night, he would be hosted at a friend's house in Sherman Oaks. I ran down and clipped some white sage off the guardian bush that grows in the south point of my land and added a red rose to make an offering for him. As I arrived at the home of Jane and Amorea, I saw him radiant with brilliant white mane, lounging like a great white lion on a raised platform so he could be well adored. He spoke in proper English with a refined elegance, guiding 80 or so seekers in an open-eye meditation. Yogi Raj said he was going to share some energy with us. Sitting in lotus with my spine straight, I prepared to receive his transmission. That night, as I gazed at this glorious, white-haired regal man, I saw with my own physical eyes the entire field of visual experience transform into pure celestial light. Everything and everyone in the room was pulsing with cosmic energy. It was stunningly expansive to see everything in the room glistening with a golden vibrancy, permeating and pulsing with the frequency of another dimension. I literally could not believe my own eyes. I had seen many things in my years of spiritual experience, but this happening was physically and viscerally in this time and space. It was entirely unique to anything I had experienced before. As a test, I closed my eyes for 30 seconds and then reopened them to the same celestial world. No, this was real. This was happening in my very body at this very moment. I continued observing in neutrality. I remained completely calm and grounded. I was neither excited nor impressed. I just sat there watching what was. Clearly, I was having an otherworldly experience, a spiritual expansion of sorts that I had chased my entire life, and yet here it was, and I didn't need it at all. This is likely why it happened. The experience came when I didn't really need the experience any longer. I was mature enough to hold it. I considered the possibility that perhaps when I didn't need money any longer, or when I was free from the fear and control of it, maybe it would appear again in my own life and I would be able to save my home. Yogi Raj completed his transmission and my vision returned to normal. My celestial glasses put away in their cosmic case. I got up to stretch my legs and relieve my bladder. I headed up the hallway and took my place in the bathroom queue. Finally, it was my turn. I entered the bathroom, locked the door quickly, and rushed to make it to the toilet. After finishing, I stood up and arranged my flowing white dress. Washing my hands, I stared into the mirror examining my eyes from different vantage points, glancing left, right, up, and down. My vision seemed fine now. 
In the reflection of the mirror, my eye caught a glimpse of a brochure lying on a side table across the powder room. I turned, dried my hands, and picked it up. It was a brochure about Yogi Raj. I felt the heavy, glossy layout between my fingers. It was beautifully designed. I carefully turned it over and gasped. There, on the back page of the brochure, was a photo of Yogi Raj taken from behind. He was standing in front of a group of children with his arms lifted over his head about four inches with his hands and fingers forming the exact mudra created by my own hands at the completion of my stroke during my whale-shaped shifting sessions. I laughed out loud. Goosebumps covering my entire body I knew with absolute physical evidence that something greater was at hand. An expanded cosmic play was holding my entire life experience. And I knew once and for all that I was a spiritual being having a human experience and not the other way around. And there you have it, the second excerpt from my memoir, For the Life of Me. You can order that, pre-order that on my website uh, at juliepyatt.com. I also just want to mention that I have a couple spaces still left for my mastery retreat on the island of Gozo. This is happening June 1st through June 4th. If you're interested, please go to the website, click through the retreat tab and um, go to the Gozo Retreat and you can apply via that portal. And if you're liking what you're hearing and you want to go deeper, uh, check out Water Tiger, the subscription community where I share dedicated healing techniques every month. We also have a live call and I answer questions. Ask Shri anything. Somebody asked me if they could join if they were a beginner. And I wanted just to make a calm, uh, little note. Um, I read in the chapter why I have that image of me painted like a tree. And I chose that for Water Tiger because it's a very visceral experience of mine of embodying another form of nature. Um, but then I also realized that it might be um, it might spark some questions in people wondering what that means. And uh, I just want to remind you that no one is more or less spiritual than another life form. All of us are spiritual beings having a human experience. And there is no level required to engage in the information that I'm sharing. My commitment for Water Tiger is that the content is beautiful, that it is useful, that it is minimal and that is, it is applicable to every modern life. So within what I'm sharing in the content, you will find something that resonates with you. I'm, I'm hopeful. I just feel it. You will find something that resonates with you. And you'll be able to pick up that technique. And, you know, honestly, all of us just need one technique. We could have a great expansion even just using one technique. The thing with humanity is that we never sit down and just use it. We're always, you know, looking at other things and collecting more objects. So the techniques that I'm sharing uh, in the water tiger community are very powerful and they're very effective and they are very, um, 
accessible and easy to use, even if you are not a meditator, because they're really more of a visualization. So it's to reawaken this feeling, this vibrancy, this this awareness within you. And they're guided meditations, so they're easy. You just throw them on your phone and then stream them, uh, listening to your headphones, and uh, you can follow along. So anyway, uh, this community is for everyone, and uh, I just wanted to make that note. And so until next time, may grace and creativity and beauty surround us all, and may we be returned into the deeper aspects and remembrances of who we are at our absolute origin, remembering you are cherished and valued and needed for your unique design. How's that? Doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. What about you? What about that genius that's residing inside of you? We're excited to see what that is. So I'm sending all my love, blessings, and namaste. Follow Julie on Instagram and Twitter at Srimati, S-R-I-M-A-T-I. Please subscribe to For the Life of Me podcast on iTunes. And if you haven't already, rate and review the show. Join the Water Tiger community for monthly sacred content, including offerings on current topics, Ask Sri Anything, and a healing, meditation, or expansion technique. Download Julie's new music and sound healing experience. Sriya is the spontaneous journey of two voices that become many. Formed with deep intention and devotion to song as a universal language, the flow takes singers Srimati and Ria on a unique adventure where voices begin in individuality, harmoniously answering the call traveling into the unknown where in a field of sound they become one interchangeably. As the many voices create a sound bath of cellular nourishment, where the tones communicate with the self and nature throughout the multiverse, the listener has the invitation to sing along and add their tones to this offering or simply allow their release into the embrace of the cosmic mother. Join Srimati on retreat this June on the island of Gozo. This exclusive mastery shamanic experience is limited to nine people. If you have interest, click on the retreat page for details. Then send an email to srimatimusic at gmail.com to request an application. Srimati is available for limited private sessions. You can schedule an appointment and find more information at juliepyatt.com. Click on Work With Me. Pre-order Julie's memoir for the life of me. Find sample chapters and info at juliepyatt.com and click on Books. For all these offerings in addition to Julie's cookbooks and music, go to juliepyatt.com. If you are feeling some healing and experience some support or expansion from this content, please donate and support the show. Go to patreon.com backslash srimati.